hardworking, driven, and balanced. That's how my guest today, Melanie Okoneye, describes herself. And I'm sure you agree after listening to her story. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Biscuit C, a podcast celebrating the stories of women of color in the corporate world. I'm your host, Nancy, and I hope everyone is safe and sane wherever you're listening to this from. My guest on today's episode is Melanie Okuneye, who is a dynamic British-Nigerian woman in investment banking in New York. She, however, actually started her career in London, and when she was coming up in that career, she was part of starting an organization called Women in the City Afro-Caribbean Network that helped black female students by providing insights into what being successful in a corporate career in law, banking, or professional services in London was like. And it's still there up to this day, and I will share it in the show notes for anyone listening from London. Melanie is a strong believer in safe spaces for people of color, something that is important to her even in her career at uh, Goldman Sachs, where she has been for a while now. But what is most remarkable about Melanie is that her career is sort of uh, marked by an openness to make bold choices and step into new experiences where she applies her talent in ways that continue to just really go above and and beyond um, in a way and um, she doesn't always make the obvious or safe choices. I cannot wait for you to meet her. Here is Melanie's story. Hey Mel. (laughs) Hi, Hi, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Still in Louisiana quarantining. Oh my gosh, how long has it been now? I've been here for like three months and then I was quarantining in New York for like two months as well. Ah, wow. Like, so what's the difference between quarantining in New York and in Louisiana? Space. Space? (laughs) Space. (laughs) In New York, you only had your like, whatever, how many square feet of your apartment? Not many, I'll tell you that. Oh my Um, God. And then here we have, I think we, in New York, we pay for, um, we pay for a studio and down here we get the same price for the same price. We get a three bedroom. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. So that's, wow. that's the key difference. <laughs> no uh, public transport. We drive mm-hmm. around, uh, ah, yeah, nice. good food. It's great. Yeah. Yes. Louisiana food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Great. Melanie, thank you so much for making the time to chat with me today. Welcome to B squared C. <laughs> thank you. I'm glad to finally be here. Yeah. Second time is a charm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So just so like everybody knows, Melanie was supposed to be my second guest on the podcast. And we actually sat down, recorded the whole episode, and then the audio was terrible. Terrible. This is is like the entrepreneur learning curve that I am on, right? (laughs) And now I'm trying to hustle Melanie to come back on the pod and her schedule, my schedule wasn't working. Um, So I'm really glad I still get to tell your story though. Yes, I'm really excited to be with you. Super. Um, and the podcast is going really well. It's going really well now. Um, we're having summer, having a good time on here. Yeah. But uh, before I go any further, let me just give people a little bit of your bio so they know how awesome you are. <laughs> uh, so Melanie is a British Nigerian, 
um, but she's currently based in uh, New York slash Louisiana quarantine. Yeah. <laughs> At this point. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she's at Goldman uh, Sachs where she uh, is an investment professional. Um, Melanie is long-term though interested in going into the music business. So we're going to hear a little bit more about that later. And when she was back in London, where she started her career, she was involved with an organization called Women in the City ACS, which I'm excited to hear about as well on the sport today. So let's get into it. Yeah. <laughs> so Melanie, investment, how did you get into that? Um, so it was quite a unconventional path. I'll say that I know there's many people that straight from the age of, I don't know, 16 to 18, they're all guns blazing into finance. Mm -hmm. Um, for me, I knew I was good at maths and mm -hmm. sciences, mm -hmm. but they weren't where my key interests lied. Right. So I loved history. I loved economics. Um, okay. I went on to study like a balance of both of those, went on to university to do philosophy, politics, economics at York. And um, what just happened was I wanted to be a lawyer mm -hmm. um, in the wow. UK. You can do your law degree. You can do your law internship after your third year, final year. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, however, because I couldn't do that until my final year, I was like, let me try out a summer in finance, given I have the summer and know nothing else to do. Applied for Barclays, an internship there. Um, part of Barclays' program is that you're supposed to meet people from all around the firm so you can talk about it as you're, as you're right. meeting. Okay. And I okay. met people across the firm. I learned so much about investing, about trading, about liquidity credit all these different things mm -hmm. um and i really understood that different parts of the banks have different cultures there's many different ways to apply or work mm -hmm. or use skills in finance great, great. Yeah. i love that because internships were a huge part of my learning journey as well that yeah. made me realize that uh for me it was realizing that i didn't want to be a doctor <laughs> right Right. To the disappointment of my African parents. Right. But <laughs> That's important. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that. So then, um, wait, so you studied philosophy as well? Yeah, I did. How was that? <laughs> um, so I, you know what? I love reading about things that are related to self-improvement, right? Okay. And so mm -hmm. I loved reading Aristotle and like his theories on what love is and mm -hmm. what good is versus bad, like, and all those kind of stuff. I love that kind of ethics, but then I also loved the multifaceted nature of these different subjects and how they overlapped, you know, right. um, to right. have those discussions. So that was important for me. Wow. So philosophy, economics, and then you politics and politics as yeah. well. Then you came and out of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, it was interesting because um, it's, quite, it's quite the jump for some people to understand Indeed. that I studied those things to go into yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. it's funny because I specifically remember most of my interviews were asking me about Aristotle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, because you have such an interesting profile, right? One. And then two, I think one of the biggest lessons I've had is that it's all about applying yourself. Right. Like it's right. how you apply yourself, right? Like right. jobs don't define you. It's about how right. you apply. So that's why I love your story so much because it has that. And I'm excited to talk about your interest in music later yeah. because it's again, you 
uh, continuously doing this thing of applying yourself intelligently to areas and things that you're passionate about or yeah. you care about. So cool. Yeah. Great stuff. So then Goldman. Yeah. Uh, so I started at Goldman in London in January 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, and Nancy um, so kindly put my intro where I'm an investment pre- professional. I'm uh, advising ultra high net worths and family offices in okay. investing. That for me was important. Um, that's something else I fell into, by the way. I, mm-hmm. like, I knew I, at that point I wanted to be in finance and it was my goal to get a full-time role in finance. Right. But then where I would sit, I didn't know. That was like the effects of um, sponsorship and mentors and people that were looking out for me that I got the current role I'm in because they wanted mm-hmm. me to be in something that I could last in and I would do well in. So right. then um, I got this role and it was really key for me to understand how to invest, how to trade, how wealthy people think, because mm-hmm. that was a, a skill set I wanted for myself so that I could be in that seat one day and know what to do with my money. Right. Um, I think that's a skill that a lot of people in our community lack. And it's something that's very important for me. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. And then you started your career in London. Yes. Um, started my career in London, mm-hmm. uh, two and a little bit, very intense years. Um, that's how I planned out my career anyway. I always knew mm-hmm. that my first two years at least would be very intense. I would work right. hard, grind, in my, grind myself out and see where it led from there. You know, very few people make the correct life or career choice on their first go. So that was my intention. Right. Um, I just didn't want to close any doors to myself. Indeed. Indeed. Um, and then, yeah, then I, I, it really, for me, was there's so much going on in my life, like tension. And I just felt like it was time I needed change. Mm-hmm. Um, I spoke to my manager and I mentioned that I do enjoy my role. I'm still learning and all those things. And I need a change. And she made it happen. She asked me if I wanted to move to New York. And I put my hand up. And a couple months later, I was on a flight sipping champagne first class to New York. <laughs> then you know that for other people, when they want to change something, they change their hair or something. <laughs> like you, I like, did that too. You move countries. <laughs> oh, you did that as well. Okay, you change yeah. your hair and you move countries. That's pretty intense. Right. That's right. But um, so, how was the move to to New York? What was that like? <laughs> Um, wow. So I arrived, um, you know, wow. Like the whole, the whole thing was so overwhelming, like to even put into words, Mm -hmm. I'm a very practical person. So before I even arrived, I'd written like a whole list of things that I need and have to do before Mm -hmm. I can work and live and open a bank account. Um, I was very blessed to have a very close friend, um, also worked at Goldman. She, she, um, we were going to live together. Mm -hmm. Uh, she however had applied for a job in London at the exact Ah. same time so it was really uncertain if she was going to stay or not so we didn't Mm -hmm. end up moving in together but I ended up uh sleeping in her house for the first like couple of weeks okay I got myself um acclimatized Mm -hmm. but like the the crazy part is you just you get lost you get physically lost like literally getting lost in New York um (laughs) ending up like somewhere uptown when my office is in financial district or Mm -hmm. whatever it was but also the discovery being open. Like I would say yes to absolutely everything socially. Um, mm-hmm. I was just finding my group, finding my new normal, mm-hmm. um, eating different places. I, I, it took me a while to adjust. Like, How quickly did you science. find the Nigerians? Oh, on the, I think I met them at the airport. <laughs> <laughs> 
because you guys are literally let's everywhere. Be honest. <laughs> let's be honest. Sometimes I'm walking to work and I hear you're about behind me. I'm like, thank God I'm home. <laughs> <laughs> but that's good Um, to come to a place and already find your people right yeah that's one thing about being nigerian it's a blessing um if you're hiding it's a curse but i'm never hiding from anyone (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah like it it was definitely a shock but i will say that um there's nothing that anything big can be accomplished in a bunch of tiny small steps you know and if you break it down and don't get Mm -hmm. yourself get overwhelmed good i love that all right so let's go back to london yeah the women in the city acs yeah tell us about that organization yeah so we um a few of my friends and i uh we worked on that since we were in university um we basically found that um well in my particular case i was going to a whole bunch of interviews in finance consulting Mm -hmm. i told you i had interests in law as well and what i found is that any of the women's access events i was pretty much the only black girl right and a lot of the black people access events i was pretty much the only woman mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so there definitely is an intersectional nature of these things where there are also a complete there's not enough black women especially that go into these corporate spaces right and the issues mm-hmm. we have aren't necessarily those of white women or those of black men Indeed, And so it was really important that we fostered an environment and network where we could get ahead, where we could be mentored, where we on particular needs could be met mm-hmm. um, and we could get access. And so that's something uh, Mariam started that I was um, chief strategy officer there helping to organize events, many of which still go on today. Um, mm-hmm. We've also expanded into um, a Money Matters series, for example, because since we first started it, um, mm-hmm a lot of those people have graduated from university and are now looking at the next stages of their lives. Right. Um, And so that's a great network for people to meet like-minded individuals, professionals, and so on who are in London. I love that. So it still exists to this day. Can we find it online? Yes, you can. Um, There's an Instagram, there's a uh, Twitter. I'm Mm -hmm. not sure what the exact uh, handle is, but it's Mm -hmm. WCAN as women in the city afro-caribbean okay. network okay okay that's really cool i'm sure some of our listeners will be excited to to go and look that up and i love yeah. that idea so much because it's pretty much the idea of b squared c as well right why yeah. i created this space um that there are so few of us right. where we're sitting um and it's important for us to see each other and to have the network and support um to to help us you know succeed in in our careers or, or navigate our careers. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Okay, so at Goldman, yeah, you are part of a similar concept of a network, the firm-wide black network. Um what is that about? Tell us uh, tell us more about that experience. Um so the firm-wide black network at Goldman is really just one of many affinity networks that we have mm-hmm. that are bring people bring um people that have similarities together so we have asian networks and so on um the one th- particular thing about the black network is that um it exists globally mm-hmm. um and we have certain events um divisional events that we all sometimes meet on annually or so on mm-hmm. um and organize black history month events too. what has that experience been like being part of this type of network yeah um 
Oh, to, to your point, though, I do, I do think that um, American firms are better with this stuff. I see. Um, okay, okay. I do think there's a culture shift or, or a different culture, sorry, just to mm-hmm. the extent that in America, there is like uh, the, having an issue with um, equality between the black and other ethnic groups has been recognized a long time ago. So they recognize okay. that they need to have these networks. Mm -hmm. Um, However, in the UK and much of Europe, they don't necessarily recognize that. And Mm -hmm. so like European banks may have these things as a result of other competitors having it or Mm -hmm. because they're an offshoot of a US firm. But generally speaking, I think most uh, UK firms or smaller firms are unlikely to have this stuff because the representation is also fewer. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. But um, but to the point of the um, firm wide black network, we call it the FBN as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really been a safe space for me. Um, I think about how um, exhausted I get when I'm trying to create a certain persona on my desk when I'm the only black person and black right. woman, mm-hmm. and I'm not being fully myself as because like I, don't, I can't even explain go on to explain that but that's just generally mm-hmm. a thing that happens for a lot of us mm-hmm. where we can't bring our full selves to, to work you know right, and right. so having that safe space where I can go off the desk for um our annual um, my division we have an annual um firmwide black or oh, sorry IMD black network um conference and that's mm-hmm. just such a safe space like I don't need to be thinking about censoring the things I say or mm-hmm. having to censor them because I'm gonna have to explain them because I don't have to explain them when I'm with people that just get it you know right they understand right. my language I don't need to tailor off certain phrases um and just understanding how I feel about things without me fully having to go into detail mm-hmm. um and that's just really important for me um also just maintaining those relationships those people have been the people that I've gone to when I've come to impasses in my career, whether it's right. I really want to leave right now, it's really tough, or mm-hmm. I, I'm having this specific issue and I don't know what to do. Those people have been the ones to have my back, help me navigate the situations, be my sponsors, be my mentors, mm-hmm. and right. so on to give me the best advice. Um, and then lastly, when you're relatively new to the firm, also we have people that join laterally, we have people that join out of school. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's such a big firm right. and so knowing through that network who your touch points are in many different parts of the firm is also mm-hmm. huge and goes a long way I remember when I was an analyst and someone on my team would one of my senior um like supervisors or something would ask me to to get something done and I remember I'd know this analyst over here from the firm wide black network and right. I'd message them and get it in like five seconds. And they were like, oh, okay. You yeah. know, <laughs> you know? And that, that makes a huge difference. Um, right. Obviously it takes for having enough black people to have those kind of advantages, but right. nonetheless, it's, it's still a safe space. Um, I love and, it. and yeah. I love it. I love it. I love my network um, uh, that we built uh, at my company as well, uh, because it is all those things that you are talking about and more, right? Yeah. For me, moving to the Netherlands, those were like my first friends. Yeah, um, me that too. I, that I had in the in the yeah. company, um, and then it was. Um, it's also a very personal space. <laughs> <laughs> and we love this topic because you and I have had this um yeah I'm using a toner that you recommended me. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And no, I we go, were, yeah. 
Yeah, I know the audience cannot see us, but my skin is glowing. glowing. She is glowing, guys. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and such great advice from some of these events. Like some of the key pieces of advice I've got are things like, um, don't buy clothes that need to be ironed because it saves you so <laughs> much time. And then like investing in good skincare so you can get out of bed and go straight to work with your fresh glowing face, you know, and not having to think about makeup. So yeah, those things are important. Like it becomes, I think at that point, it becomes more than just like a work relationship. At that point, you may as well be sisters. You know? Yeah, you are. <laughs> You're yeah. basically sisters. At that point, you may, yeah. Yeah, no, I love that. I think the this spaces are, are so are so important, and I yeah. I'm really happy that you've had that space because a lot of people don't have that. Yeah, a hundred percent. I'm reading um a, I'm reading Becoming by Michelle Obama. I know mm. I'm late to the late to the uh, super game. late. I'm judging so hard. I know, right, right guys? <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's why I haven't told anyone I'm watching it. Like on Instagram, I'm reading it. Sorry, on Instagram because right. everyone's gonna come for me. Yeah. But nonetheless, um, she talks about very early on, like the sisterhood that she had. Mm-hmm. That's like like I think about Beyonce's sisterhood. I think about. All these, all the people I look up to that have really made it as black women have not done it alone, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, It's important to protect your mental space. It's important to have people that you can trust. It's important Mm -hmm. to have people that have your back, you know? And that's like, that sisterhood, those relationships are so important to our personal success. Right, Um, absolutely, absolutely. I get that. Great. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, Melanie, what is your hype up song? Stormzy cold. Stormzy cold. <laughs> <laughs> That's the British in me, guys. What has been fascinating for me is um, discovering and experiencing blackness outside of America. Yeah. So, you know, like we all grew up with America as like the reference point of blackness, or at least everyone thinks it is, right? Yeah. And um, probably because of how exportable American culture has been um, around the world. Then you step outside of it and you realize that, well, blackness is actually not a monolithic experience. Yeah. So I, for instance, have loved, you know, my experiences in Latin America where I also got to see black people and I have Colombia on my list for that reason as well. And then in Europe, in Belgium, I got exposed to Francophone blacks and then there is black Brits, you guys, and history and your music and all these things. Um, it's, it's, it's quite fascinating. So what is, what is your experience with that phenomenon? It's interesting because when I was in school, when I was around like 16 or so during my Mm -hmm. GCSEs, um, the whole thing was around globalization. That was the theme of the time. Right. And Mm -hmm. it's almost like everything is going the opposite way right now. You have each of these countries, wanting to focus more and more on their domestic production, like right. dom- what, the, what is close domestic to them. They identity see, and yes, stuff like that. They want to see themselves more and they want to feel their culture more in the mm-hmm. things that they listen to. And so you have the UK artists coming out with their version of like heavily Afrobeats influenced, like London music. It's like mm-hmm. a mix of grime and Afrobeats. You have in France, a very similar culture, Italy and all across Europe, there's German um, Afrobeats and um, hip hop artists, you know? Right. Um, and I think that's really interesting. I think it's, I really love where all of this is going in the sense that we are seeing more of ourselves 
which leads us to your long-term interest in going into the music industry. Yeah. So tell us about that. Um, so my big thing is that there, there's so much music that comes out, music that comes out of Africa, um, particularly Afrobeats, and how we define that is very loose right now. Um, which is a different topic because I'm very passionate about that too. Okay. <laughs> well, I did. Don't but, Nigerians own Afrobeats? They do. They do. Okay. I'm glad okay. that we Yeah, you own let, <laughs> let the rest of us in with just like, okay. Uh, right, right. <laughs> um, but like my big passion is that Afrobeats, we produce so much music. We have, we have influenced culture throughout the world. Like mm-hmm. a lot of jazz, hip hop, Right. A lot of this stuff came out of African music. Right. However, African music itself has not been formalized in the same way that uh, many other industries have. Um, mm-hmm. We've seen the onslaught of Spanish music and how that's grown so much, the proliferation right. there. And I really do think that Afrobeats has so much more room to grow with the way that it's consumed within Africa, but also with it, also the access to the rest of the world. Right. I do think that building the, and this is something I want to do, just helping to build the infrastructure around that scene to mm. allow for it to be better monetized, to allow for artists to see more of the um, value of what they create mm-hmm. um, and to allow for more infrastructure in that space, like physical infrastructure, concert venues, um, right. for more people to consume that music. And there's a lot more, I think, that goes into that for tertiary effects uh, in terms of mental health and um, access that it has for those that aren't wealthy in society right. and for job creation and things like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I can't wait to, to see what you're going to do with that uh, because I have every confidence that whatever you put your mind to, I mean, we've already heard it in your story, <laughs> that it's, you. it's going gonna, it's gonna to turn to God. Melanie, what three words would you describe yourself with? I would say hardworking. Mm-hmm. Um, driven, or are those the same word? And balanced. <laughs> balanced, yes. And bal- yes, and balanced to the extent that, like, I feel like I have my hands in many pies, but I do, I do work hard. I do have my social life. I do have my work life. Yeah. How upset are you about everything I love? How upset are you about not having Dirty December this year? <laughs> I know it's <laughs> like, and and I will say it's pronounced Dirty December. Oh. But, but, oh my, like that's the, that's the real time to let my hair down in the year. It's funny because (laughs) it's like all of us that come from these professional spaces throughout the world, Mm -hmm. as we said, Nigerians are everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. That's when everyone comes home and like, it's just, everyone just lets their stresses go, you know? Yeah. so yeah, I just need to work harder on not building the stress. I don't need to let it go this year. That's (laughs) that's the plan. Wait, um. Let's kind of uh, wrap this up with what yeah. two pieces of advice would you have for um, women of color? Are the women of color out there in the corporate world? I would say one of them is something we've touched on multiple times throughout this call. And it's like, you are not alone. Um, mm-hmm. Like there's so many of us that have gone through similar experiences and the more you lean into us and the sisterhood that we have created in the spaces, the more you can have, feel supportive and supported and not feel like you're going through this on your own. Right. Um, I, the second thing is just being the best. Like 
you shouldn't give anyone any excuses to make them talk like crap about you. Um, <laughs> is that a bad word? I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> you can say whatever you want. <laughs> um, but yeah, you shouldn't give anyone any reason to fault you, especially as a black woman. We The bar for us is so much higher for people just to recognize us as standardly good at our jobs mm-hmm. um, and just work hard and work on your craft. Work on your craft. I love it. Yeah. Well, Melanie, thank you so much for coming into the pod today. Of course. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right. You. I'll catch up with you soon. Okay. Of course. We All need right. to bring you to the red table at some point. Thank you so much for listening to Melanie's story. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, I even got to learn new things about her. I mean, she has been so dynamic in her approach to her career. I cannot wait to see what she's going to do next. Also, just as a note, that last bit about bringing me to the red table, she meant the podcast, y'all. So don't get excited because there is really no tea out there about me. I would love to hear your thoughts on this podcast episode. Um, come to the Biscuit C Instagram and LinkedIn um, or DM me. And um, it would be great to, to talk about what choices you are making in your career. Next week, I will be reflecting on a theme or two that came out of the conversation with Melanie. Until then, I'm your host, Nancy. Be safe, be empowered and stay inspired. <laughs>